In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Dear brothers and sisters, we've come to the 32nd Sunday of Ordinary Time, which means we have two more weeks. Next Sunday will be the 33rd, and then the 34th is Christ the King, and then we're going to begin our Advent season, the new liturgical year. And I'm sure you've all been aware over the years that always towards the last few weeks of the liturgical year of Ordinary Time, the Church points our attention towards the end, the eschatological realities, which is a Greek word which means the final things, the things that we can't avoid, which is death and judgment, and then the sentence, which is either heaven or hell. The readings today speak to us of the resurrection. The first reading from Maccabees These seven brothers, they're willing to go to death rather than to break the laws of their God. Because they believe in the resurrection, God gave me this body, he'll give it back to me. And they say to the king who's killing them, but for you there will be no resurrection to the life because you are living an evil life, doing what is wrong in the eyes of God. You will end up in perdition. And so it's a reading that speaks to us, even in the Old Testament, of this recognition that there's more to life than just what's here below. That we're meant to live forever in the eyes of God, but we have to live here in accordance with God so that we can live there with Him forever. In the times of Jesus, the Pharisees and the Sadducees disagreed on this. The Pharisees studied the Old Testament and they said, there's resurrection from the dead. The Sadducees studied the Old Testament and as they see here, they said, no, no, no. We only get an extended life here on this earth. It's not something later. So the Sadducees denied the resurrection. And they placed this sophistic argument before Jesus. All right, then whose wife is this lady going to be if she was married to all seven brothers because Moses said in Deuteronomy that if my brother died, i got to take his wife, and if I die, then my brother takes her. So no children, so none of them can claim that. So who's she going to be? It's It's a sophism. And Jesus answers them using the same text from Deuteronomy. He says, look, there is a resurrection from the dead. That's why Moses says... God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. See, the Sadducees believed that only each epoch they could live, the extension of their life was during that lifetime. It wasn't for after that lifetime. So once Abraham was gone, then now it's the God of Isaac only. Until he's gone, then he's gone, now it's the God of Jacob. There's nothing left after. So Jesus quotes this text saying, Moses said of three different periods of time, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, he's the God of the living, not of the dead. Affirming, with the same text they were trying to argue against him, affirming, you're wrong. There is a resurrection from the dead. And Jesus is not going to just leave it there, obviously. We all know that. Jesus is going to prove it by rising from the dead. That he is going to show us that he has come to take on our life 
in order to die by taking upon himself our sins to receive the punishment we deserve, in order to liberate us from that sin so that we can share with him in his divine life. This is our faith. This is the essence of our faith. That's why every Easter we celebrate with great joy because without the resurrection, we're a bunch of fools, says St. Paul. That's not my words. We're the most foolish of all people. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead and there's nothing after death, well, excuse me, I'm getting undressed and I'm going out there and starting a party. Enjoy as much as I can until it's over because if it's going to be over and there's nothing left, why am I sacrificing my life for anything else? Why are you sitting in these pews if there's not something more? No, because there is something more. You see, heaven doesn't begin when you die physically. Heaven does not begin after your death. Heaven begins for you in the conception of your life in your mother's womb. Because in that very moment, by God's grace and love, you are created for eternity. Not for a moment, not for a passing time, not for five years or 10 or 20 or 40 or 80 or 100. No. God has created you in his image because he wants to share with you his divine life for all eternity. And that begins in your conception. You have a beginning, but no end. God is the only one with no beginning and no end. But all of us have a beginning and no end. We're meant by God to share in his life forever. And that begins here. But because we're born into a world that has fallen because of sin, original sin and then our own actual sins that we commit, we need God's grace to restore us to life. And that's what the sacraments are. Baptism, which wipes away the sin and gives us new life, makes us temples of God. Confirmation, which strengthens us to be witnesses of that life of God within us. The Eucharist, which nourishes us as we go on this journey towards our heavenly banquet with the Lord. Confession, which picks us back up again when we stumble and fall, as we often do, over and over again. That's why it's a repetitive sacrament, because we fall into the same hole. No. Proverbs says that the only, person, the only animal that falls into the same hole twice is a human being. A dog falls into a hole, next time it sees that hole, it goes around it. Any other animal, by instinct, will go around the hole they fell in the first time. But the human being, we fall into the same hole over and over again. Because, because God only knows. All the sacraments, your marital sacrament is to strengthen you in your social commitment as the nucleus of society. The sacrament of orders is to give priests the grace of being able to administer the sacraments to God's people so that they can share here on earth in his divine life. It's not about us, it's about him. The anointing of the sick is the final blessing and journey for ordinarily given before death, but can also be given and, and be healed physically. But all of the sacraments are God's divine life, God intervening in our human life with his grace so that we can share here and now, here and now, in his divine life, which we're meant to share with forever in heaven. So heaven begins here. Because God has deigned to draw near to us 
in order to draw us near to him. This is our faith. And so we believe in the resurrection of the dead. We believe there's something to live for. We believe there's something that should be what directs and orders our life and our decisions in accordance with that reality which awaits us. The resurrection in eternal life. That's why the Maccabees say, you know, I'm not going to, I'd rather die than offend God. Can we all say that too? Are we all willing to do the same? The martyrs were throughout the ages. In our faith, we have so many prime examples of men and women who have put God and love of others before themselves, which are the great two commandments, and have died as witnesses of that reality of the resurrection and life everlasting. The blood of the martyrs. In our own days, we have martyrs in the church. Are we willing to do the same? Are we willing, in the face of that vice which attraps us right now, because we all could have some type of thing, you know. It doesn't necessarily have to be alcoholism or drugs or sexual lust beyond control. No, those are some strong addictions, but there are other ones. Our own selfishness and pride, our own desire to be, to be God for ourselves and our own life rather than let him be God for us. Do it my way, not God's way. No. In our life with others, our charity or lack thereof. The way we are obedient to the will of the Father, as Jesus was, or not. You see, God wants you to remain with him forever, here on earth and in heaven, in all eternity. He has come to send his son. He has come to take our nature in order to redeem it so that we can share forever in that divine life. We start right here in our life on earth. It's the beginning of the journey. In order to arrive to that destination that he has prepared for us from all time. But it's up to us the way we walk. We can walk toward it or we can walk away from it. You see, God will not condemn you if you choose him. Even if you struggle and fight, and we all have our temptations, we all have our weaknesses, we all stumble and fall. It says in the scriptures that the just man falls seven times a day. Imagine us. Well, you might be just, I'm not. But if he falls seven times, good Lord, I'm in trouble. Eh? But as long as we're striving to get back up, striving to ask for forgiveness, striving to go forward, saying, Lord, I can't do this without you. I love you. I believe in you. I want to do your will. I stumble and I fall, but I'm going to keep fighting and doing better. I'm trying my best. That's all he asks of us. And he will give us the grace of our salvation. But if we stop striving, if we forget he's coming, if we decide, Father, that's a bunch of baloney, I'm just going to go do it my way. Forget God, forget others, 
and we turn away, he doesn't condemn us, we condemn ourselves. God's salvation is offered to us, it's there, it's given. It's already been won for us by Christ on the cross. All we have to do is accept it and say yes, and then live in accordance with it. And when we do fall and stumble and sin, say, I'm sorry, I trust in your mercy, and I'm going to go forward. But if we decide to reject it, then it's not him that condemns us. It's us that condemn ourselves. We choose to reject the gift of salvation. That's the one unforgivable sin. God will forgive any sin you've ever committed, no matter what or how horrendous it might be. He will forgive it if you ask humbly for his forgiveness. Doesn't matter what it was. The one sin that can't be forgiven is to reject the forgiveness of God, to reject his mercy, to reject the gift of salvation. So God will not send you to hell. If you go there, it's because you decided to send yourself. Because God's way and God's will is for you to share his divine life forever. That's what the Maccabees were talking about. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's what St. Paul is talking about. That's the gift of God to the church throughout the ages. And that's what we have to rejoice in. It shouldn't be something that keeps, it makes us fear. It should be something that makes us run toward it with joy, saying, thank you, God, for loving me in spite of myself and the fact that I don't deserve it because I've done everything contrary, perhaps, to what you're asking of me. But here I come. I'm, I'm trying. I believe in you. I trust in you. I love you. Forgive me. I need your help. I need your grace. I can't do it alone. And he says, come on. I made you to be with me. I want you to be with me. Don't turn your back on me. Don't turn away. Turn toward me and you will find me. Knock and the door will be open. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. It's just God to give us the grace to understand this because that's what the resurrection is all about. Us understanding that our life has meaning and we're meant for something great as heirs of the kingdom of God. So let's live like sons and daughters of the king. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.